You're listening to River City Revival. This is Reverend Liz Jackson. Today's sermon is Education and Reality. What do fallen angels, angels, gods and myths, and saints have in common? Part 4. As always, in the description box of this podcast, you will find a link to the Lion's Tears Ministry where you can study this information and continue to build your relationship with our one true creator. This sermon is going to talk about Hades and those associated with Hades. The sermon is going to explain how Hades changed over time, what the meaning of Hades really is, and what gods of the underworld exist as well for this is important to understand. And we should know that by gods, I do mean the fake ones because all false deities are either ideologies or fallen angels. So, Don Stewart, who wrote an article on Blue Letter Bible, which is our lexicon site, or at least the one that I use, states that the Hebrew word shale, or shal, spoke of the state condition or place of the dead in the Old Testament. The same is true in the New Testament with the word Hades, and that is a Greek word. The definition of Hades means a number of different things in the New Testament. It can mean the grave, the place of the bodily decay. It can mean the place of the punishment for the wicked. And possibly as a general term for the unseen realm of the dead. Hades is always connected with death and never life. The context will determine its meaning. It does not refer specifically or exclusively to the place of punishment. Like Shill, it is an intermediate place. It never refers to the place of final punishment. So we will begin breaking down the meaning of Hades in the Bible. Revelation one eighteen, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. The Greek word for hell is G86, and it is Hades. The biblical outline of usage for Hades is name Hades or Pluto, the god of the lower regions, Orcus, the netherworld, the realm of the dead, or later use of this word, the grave, death, and hell. In biblical Greek, it is associated with Orcus, the infernal regions, a dark and dismal place in the very depths of the earth, the common receptacle of disembodied spirits. Usually, Hades is just the abode of the wicked, and you can find references to that in Luke 16.23 and Revelation 20.13 and 14, and is a very uncomfortable place. The Strong's definition of the Greek word G86 
actually means Hades, unseen, or the place or state of departed souls, the grave or hell. So here, as we can see in the Bible, Hades means a place of departed souls, the grave, or, you know, hell. Hell and Hades are intermittent, are exchangeable words. You can place Hades in for hell, and it's the same thing, because that's what it means in Greek, the same thing. Hell, the underworld, place of departed souls, Hades. Same thing. And we covered this subject some when we spoke on the sermon of Yahushua's time in hell via the Gospel of Nicodemus. We learned that shell means um, the our world of the dead, Hades. And we'll take a little look at that here right now. We're going to look at Jose 13, 14, which states, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. Repentance shall be hid from my eyes. Here the word grave is Hebrew word H7585, and it means shall or shale, however you pronounce it. Um, again, Hades are the or the world of the dead, as if a subterranean retreat, including its accessories and inmates, grave, hell, or pit. And just because someone is an inmate somewhere does not mean that, you know, it's always a negative thing, and we'll get to more information here in just a second. But it's important to understand the biblical outline of usage of the word shale, which again is Hebrew word H7585, for it means the underworld, grave, pit, hell, the underworld the destination for the abode of the dead, which makes sense whenever we are told in the New Testament and in Enoch and Yasher and Jubilees that Yahushua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, has the keys to the bottomless pit of hell and Hades, and he sets the captives free. In the Old Testament, he did that. And we read in the Gospel of Nicodemus that even King Solomon, David, you know, David, King David, um, everyone, everyone, including Adam, was waiting in hell in these receptacles because spirits are divided. Do you really think the Lord God Almighty is going to put child molesters and Genghis Khan and Hitler and um, Julius Caesar and all the crazy, insane people of the past with his righteous children? I think not. And that's what we need to understand as well, that hell, Hades, same thing, and it's just a reciprocal or was a reciprocal for everyone until Yahushua died. That was part of his ordained 
will that God had him for. He had to come and break that veil and unlock the gates of hell. He had to open heaven with his blood, with his sacrifice. He was able to do that, which is why now when people do die and are righteous, they do go to heaven because hell is no longer a destination for those departed who are righteous. And that's what people need to understand. Those who are found not righteous, those who are found, you know, to not be of faith in God, they still go to these receptacles. And the book of Enoch talks about these receptacles. And we will talk about the book of Enoch um, here in a little bit. But I want to remind you, too, that when we learned about Satan in our last podcast, that Satan is a blanket term for angels who religion, you know, just doesn't teach because they, why would they? If religion taught us about angels and their hierarchies other than you know, Michael and Gabriel, because there's a slew of angels. The Lord God said he has angels that you can't even count the stars because those are his angels. So don't you think that each angel has a name? We all have a name. The Lord God named us from the beginning of our creation. So therefore he named these angels from the beginning of their creation. So a blanket term like Satan does not work for me whenever I need to know the names of people, places, and things in order for my brain to compute and be like, okay, this information makes more sense to me now because I have these blanks filled in. And that is all I pray that this ministry does for the rest of you and all who listen. Thank you again. I know Abba Yah is just amazing with this information. So um, we are going to revisit the Gospel of Nicodemus for a brief time. Um, where the name says Satan, I honestly believe it should be Matsuma. Um, so I'm going to just read the Gospel of Nicodemus 21 verse 1. And it says, As Satan the prince and hell spoke this together, suddenly there came a voice as of thunder and a spiraling cry. Remove, O princes, your gates, and be ye lift up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. When hell heard that he said unto Satan, the prince, depart from me and go out of my abode. If thou be a mighty man of war, fight thou against the king of glory. But what hast thou to do with him? And hell cast Satan forth out of his dwelling. Then said hell unto his wicked ministers, Shut ye the hard gates of brass, and put on them the bars of iron, and withstand stoutly, lest we should hold captivity, be taken captive. 
So I honestly do believe because Abigail showed me that um, Satan in this instance should be Matsuma because as we learned again, Matsuma was the ruler of the spirits that were left behind from the fallen angel. Now here in the Gospel of Nicodemus where it says hell, I think that's a good place where um, we will learn about the angel Azel, which is different from Azazel, and we'll talk about that here in a second. Next, we need to be reminded of what Enoch tells us shale or hell really is. So I'm going to read Enoch chapter 22 to you, and I have both versions, the Ethiopic and the Greek, posted, um, taken off of Enoch. So let me read this to you. And sometimes, just so you know, they do blend in together because some verses are exactly the same in the Ethiopic translation and the Greek. But here we go. And thence I went to another place, and he showed me in the west another great and high mountain of hard rock. And there was in it four hollow places, deep and wide and very smooth. How smooth are the hollow places and deep and dark to look at? Then Raphael answered one of the holy angels who was with me and said unto me, these hollow places have been created for this very purpose, that the spirits of the souls of the dead should assemble therein, yea, that the souls of the children of men should assemble here. And these places have been made to receive them till the day of their judgment, until their appointed period, till the great day upon them. I saw the spirits of the children of men who were dead, and their voices went forth to heaven and made suit. Then I asked Raphael, the angel who was with me, and I said unto him, This spirit, whose is it, whose voice goes forth and makes suit? And he answered me, saying, This is the spirit which went forth from Abel, whom his brother Cain slew, and he makes a suit against him till his seed is destroyed from the earth and his seed is annihilated from amongst the seed of men. Then I asked regarding it and regarding all the hollow places, why is one separated from the other? And he answered me and said unto me, these three have been made that the spirits of the dead might be separated. And such a division has been made for the spirits of the righteous in which there is the bright spring water. And such has been made for sinners when they die and are buried in the earth, and judgment has not been executed on them in their lifetime. Here their spirits shall be set apart in this great plain until the great day of judgment and punishment and torment of those who curse forever and retribution for their spirits. There he shall bind them forever, and such a curse for, or, excuse me, and such a division has been made for the spirits of those who make their suit, who make disclosures concerning their destruction when they were slain in the days of sinners. Such has been made for the spirits of men who were not righteous, but sinners, 
who are complete in transgression and of the transgressors, they shall be companions, but their spirits shall not be slain in the day of judgment, nor shall they be raised from thence. Then I blessed the Lord of glory and said, Blessed be my Lord, the Lord of righteousness, who rules for ever. So Hades is a division of the souls. These souls who now die in righteousness, again, they go to heaven since Yahusha opened up the gates of hell and heaven. That is why he had to descend into hell to take the righteous who died prior to his death into heaven. Prior to this, no soul returned to the Lord God. Those who are to be judged are still in hell, which is why this passage in Revelation makes more sense. Revelation chapter 20 verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. Greek God of the underworld, Hades, everything gets immortalized, even the abode for the dead. Why not? Whenever society falls unto, under the grand delusion and forgets who we are, we immortalize everything. And that's pretty sad. So let's read about the Greek God of the underworld, Hades. The Roman name is Orcus, and this comes from GreekMythology.com, which states, Hades is the ancient Greek god of the underworld, the place where human souls go after death. In time, his name became synonymous with his realm. It has to be said unsurprisingly, since he barely left it. Appropriately, the most significant myth related to Hades concerns one of the very few times he did, which was to abduct Demeter's daughter Persephone. So again, Hades is just the name for the underworld, and there is no god associated. But why worship the place souls go after physical death to await judgment? That's a great question, because I sure wouldn't. Um, but again, when we lose our information and we suffer from social amnesia, we just start to make up things. We think anything's okay to worship, to do, you know. If you remember, while Moses was talking to God, people were making golden calves. And God was with everyone in the form of a cloud guiding them. So, like... That's what I never understood. For those who actually witness and see God, why continue to ignore him and act like he's not there? And I know for one, I've done that several times. And it was out of fear because I never fear God. I always was hesitant with my calling or felt like I wasn't good enough. And all of those are symptoms of fear, if that makes sense. But let's get back on track. So let us now look at Islam and Judaic beliefs. 
There is an angel named Azrael, again, not to be confused with Azazel, who is bound currently. Azrael is spelled A-Z-R-A-E-L. And this comes from um, the Jewish Kabbalah tradition and in Islam, Azrael is known as the angel of death. And is referenced in Sikhism as well. And again, this comes from Wikipedia because it was just easier to find on Wikipedia, which states relative to similar concepts of such beings, Azrael holds a rather benevolent role as the angel of death, wherein he acts as a psychopomp responsible for transporting the souls of the deceased after death. Both in Islam and Judaism, he is said to hold a scroll concerning the fate of the mortals, recording and erasing the names of men respectively at birth and death. Depending on perspective and re- per- depending on the perspective and the precepts of various religions in which he is a figure. He may also be portrayed as residing in the third heaven. In Islam, he is one of the four archangels and is identified with the Quranic Malak al-Mawat, angel of death, which corresponds with the Hebrew meaning Malaka Hamawe in rabbinic literature. In Hebrew, Azrael translates to angel of God or help from God. And this makes sense. So I'm going to pause for just a second because all angels have ordained responsibilities. Do you think the Lord God is going to send us into a reciprocal without having angels minister to us still down there without having some sort of you know, system, if you haven't caught on, the Lord God has a system, everything is a system, just like he has a government system, which no one wants to pay attention to, which would be so much easier than the socialist and the capitalist crap that the world is experiencing right now, and the chaos and the turbulence, but because no one wants to go back to the true word of Abba Yah and apply his government, if you will, to our everyday lives, then of course, you know, why, why would we? The world doesn't want that. But for me, it makes sense that there's an angel in Hades that, you know, ushers in death. That's in all of society. People don't make up things. They just do not understand things. So they worship things like the Grim Reaper, you know, out of ignorance and lack of knowledge and understanding. The Grim Reaper is most likely associated with Azrael, the angel of death. And over time has just taken on a different concept, a different look, you know, As I always say, the names have changed, but the deity 
or the angel remains the same. And it's all about how people put ideologies, angels, things we don't understand on pedestals and start worshiping. Now back to Wikipedia. The name Israel indicates a Hebrew origin and archaeological evidence found in Jewish settlements in Mesopotamia confirmed that it was indeed used in Aramaic incantation texts from the 7th century. However, as the text only lists names, it cannot be determined whether Israel was associated with death prior to the advent of Islam. And a side note here, you need to understand that Islam really does spring from Abraham. So we will cover a whole series on Islam whenever the time is appropriate. But Ishmael is the son of Abraham. The Bible is clear that Islam and Ishmael will have a great nation. They do. But again, things have been twisted and manipulated over time to cause a division. Brothers and sisters, we are all one. And that is mankind. And I do apologize if I sound a little muffled. Um, I had teeth pulled recently or a tooth pulled recently. So it is a little hard to talk, which is why I am a little late on these podcasts. So to continue with what Wikipedia says, um, after the emergence of Islam, the name Israel becomes popular among both Jewish and Islamic literature, as well as for folklore. The name spelled as Ezreal appears in the Ethiopic version of the Apocalypse of Peter, dating to the 16th century as an angel of hell who avenges those who has been wronged during life. In Jewish mysticism, he is the embodiment of evil. However, the Zohar, the holy book of Judaism called Kabbalah, presents a more pleasant depiction of Ezreal. The Zohar says that Azrael receives the prayers of faithful people when they reach heaven and also commands legions of heavenly angels. Now, since we were referenced the Apocalypse of Peter, guess what? We are going to look at what the Apocalypse of Peter has to say. And we must remember that the Ethiopic Bible has so many more preserved books than what the Roman Catholic Church has allowed us to use. So, this reading comes from the Apocalypse of Peter, translated by M.R. James in 1924. It states, Uriel, the angel of God, shall bring forth the souls of those sinners, every one according to his transgression. Perhaps this clause should end the preceding paragraph. So, Gribatuk takes it who perished in the flood and all that dwell in all idols and every molten image and every 
object of love and in pictures and of those that dwelt on all hills and in stones and by the wayside whom men called gods they shall burn them with them the objects in which they dwelt or their worshipers in everlasting fire and after all that of them with their dwelling places are destroyed they shall be punished eternally here begins the description of torments which we have in another text in the akim fragment that's important to understand too so when you visit this link you will understand um what mr james was talking about because those fragments are included on the link for the apocalypse of peter let's continue it states then shall men and women come unto the place prepared for them by their tongue wherein they have blasphemed the ways of righteousness they shall be hanged up there is spread under them unquenchable fire and they escape it not behold another place there is a pit great and full in it are they that have denied righteousness the angels of punishment chastise them and there do they kindle upon them the fire of their torment and again behold women two corrupt women they hang them up by their necks and by their hair they shall cast them unto the pit these are they which plaited their hair not for good or not to make them beautiful but to turn them to fornication that they might ensnare the souls of men into perdition and the men that they lay with them in fornication shall be hung by their loins in that place of fire and they shall say one to another we knew not that we should come unto everlasting punishment and the murderers and them that have made common sense are common <clears throat> excuse me and the murderers and them that have made common cause with them they cast into the fire in a place full of venomous beasts and they shall be tormented without rest feeling their pains and their worms shall be as many in number as a dark cloud and the angel Israel shall bring forth the souls of them that have been slain, and they shall behold the torment of them that slew them, and say one to another, Righteous and just is the judgment of God. For we heard, but we believed not, that we should come into this place of eternal judgment. Now, we have done sermons on why God doesn't save every soul and the final judgment. And we'll talk more about that. But in the book of Enoch, there's more information. And God has shown me he is not a God of pure torture and torment. So at the final resurrection, when Hades gives up the dead and everyone is judged. They're not going to be eternally tormented like we just read. Are people being tortured and tormented now? I don't know. I haven't died in order to tell you what I've seen. I just know that I had a vision back in 2015, and I've shared this with you, that whenever I was with a man and I got drunk and I got super sick because of this vision 
and I could see this man holding my neck over the lake of fire and was being told to change. Visions, brothers and sisters, are so powerful that whenever you have one, you either want to listen or you want to run away and make you scared. And it's just, it's powerful. So I saw a version of hell because I honestly knew and felt that's where my soul was headed to no matter what I did. And I wasn't ready to give my life to God back in 2015, but I ended up doing so in 2016 and it's been so amazing. And like I said prior, I've never denounced God. I've been mad at him, but you know, to each their own. I just know what he has shown me, and I know what he has told me, and yes, people will get punished when they die, possibly like this. I don't know. I can't tell you I'm not God. I just know that he has told me that he does not torture every soul in the end for everlasting eternity. He doesn't do that. He would be cruel to do that. He states that all negativity comes to an end. So why would he put people into eternal judgment? He can easily wipe out souls. Like I've said before and what he has shown me, all souls are his. The souls of the righteous inherit righteousness. The souls of the righteous get the new heaven and the new earth. Those who have been judged eternal judgment they will be as if they never existed. And that's something to hang your hat on because God is a God of love. And second, third, I'm 37, so he's probably given me three million trillion chances that I haven't even, you know, calculated in my mind. You know, so we have to put things into you know, certain perspective. We have been taught the wrath and fury of God, the eternal damnation from the beginning of creation. Those are lies. And again, this ministry is to tell the truth. And so the truth of the matter is, God doesn't put people into eternal torment. He he just doesn't. So these are some of the things we're going to work more on. Um, but if you have questions, then please email me and re-read Why God Doesn't Save Every Soul and the sermon on what your soul actually means. That's important because when we know what these words and terms and definitions actually say, then we can know what the true word of God actually says. So let's get back to our sermon. Again, angels have ordained a state's purpose for creation. Um, and that does not mean that we worship them. We should never worship angels or any deity. I want to look now at what the Catholics believe and 
There is a Saint Joseph, and he is the Roman Catholic Saint of Departing Souls. And this comes from the Catholic News Herald. So a little insight real quick. Saint Joseph is Yahusha, Jesus Christ's, you know, earth father. This is the Saint Joseph that they're assigning to be a saint of departing souls, which doesn't make sense to me, but whatever. So the Catholic News Herald states, Saint Joseph has always been a special saint, and many saints throughout history have had a strong devotion to the foster father of our Savior. Saint Teresa of Evil, the great Carmelite nun and doctor of the church, was a faithful devotee of the saint and went out of her way to spread devotion to him among her peers. Saint Joseph is the patron saint of, among other things, husbands and families, and Pope Pius the Eleventh named him the guardian and protector of the universal church. What many Catholics might not be aware of is that this humble carpenter from Nazareth is also the patron saint of departing souls. That is a peaceful death. So that's the only saint I could find about a peaceful death. But why would you associate Yahushua's father with departing souls that makes no sense to me it continues to say the obvious question that comes to mind is why is saint joseph the patron saint of a peaceful death although the death of saint joseph is not recorded in the gospels we know that he was not present during the crucifixion of jesus and according to church tradition joseph most likely died before the beginning of jesus's public ministry so again, they even asked, why is St. Joseph the patron saint of a peaceful death? And no one can explain that because you read the rest of it and it does not answer that question. So again, how can you assign someone something and not answer your own question as to why you're sainting him to be the saint of a peaceful death? Makes me laugh. Roman Catholics, very much so. So here, again, we have the worship of Yahushua's earth father turned into a saint, but only when it's a peaceful death. Mankind is funny to me and knows how to worship everything but Abba Yah, and it does make me truly sad. I laugh on the inside, but it makes me really, 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 really sad. Aztec god of the underworld, Mictlatecli, and I apologize for butchering the words. This comes from worldhistory.org. Mictlatecli, Aztec god of the dead, usually portrayed by a skull face with his wife, Mictlatecli. He ruled Mictlan, the underworld. And we talked about his wife, and the sermon on, let me go back up. <coughs> when we discussed the Queen of Heaven, we talked about Mictlatecli's wife. And her name is similar to that, so I won't put you through butchering it again. But Mictlan... 
Tully was such an important god in the Aztec pantheon because as ruler of Mictlan, all souls would one day meet him face to face. For it was believed that only those who suffered a violent death, women who died in childbirth, or people killed by storms or floods avoided the underworld in the afterlife. The Aztecs did not believe in a special paradise reserved only for the righteous, but rather that all people shared the same destiny after death, regardless of the kind of life they had led. Souls would descend the nine layers of the underworld in an odorous four-year journey until eventually reaching extinction in the deepest part, Miklin Opakakalon, Miktiltektalak, Tully was particularly worshipped in the Aztec month of Tititl, where at the temple of Taktakako, an impersonator of the god was sacrificed and incense was burned in his honor. Next, we move to the Egyptian gods of the underworld, Osiris and Anubis, and these are probably the two that you all know the most it is me because I always loved Greek and Egyptian mythology in you know school in all my courses it just fascinated me so this is about Anubis and this goes comes from um, tourEgypt.net and it states Anubis was an ancient Egyptian god of the underworld who guided and protected the spirits of the dead. He was known as the Lord of the Hallowed Land and Necropolis and Kinti Amintu forever most of the Westerners. The land of the dead was thought to be the West where the Egyptians buried their dead. The worship of Anubis was an ancient one. It was probably even older than the worship of Osiris. In the pyramid texts of Annas, his role was already very clear. He was associated with the Eye of Horus, and he was already thought to be the guide of the dead in the afterlife, showing them the way to Osiris. In the text, it was written that Annas standeth with the spirits, get thee onward, Anubis, into Amenti, Onwards, onwards to Osiris. He was generally depicted as a black jackal-headed man or as a black jackal. The Egyptians would have noticed the jackals prowling in the graveyards, and so the link between the animal and the dead was formed in their minds. It has been noticed by Flinders Petrie that the best guides to Egyptian tombs are the jackal trails. Anubis was painted black to further link him with the deceased, a body that has been embalmed became a pitch black color. Black was also the color of fertility and thus linked to death and rebirth in the afterlife. Anubis was also seen as the deity of embalming as well as a god of the dead. To the Egyptians, Anubis was the protector of embalming and guardian of both the mummy and the necropolis. So as I read that, some similarities like jumped out um, regarding Anubis and um, the Hebrew association with the angel that we just read about earlier. Who is Osiris? This comes from aoao.edu. Osiris was the ancient Egyptian god of the dead and the god of the resurrection into eternal life, ruler, protector, and judge of the deceased. His cult originated in 
Abydos, where tradition locates his tomb. Osiris ruled the world of men after Ra left the world to rule the heavens. He was murdered by his brother Set, who later dismembered his body and scattered the remains. The grieving Isis reassembled the parts and magically brought him back to life. Since he was the first living thing to die, he subsequently became the Lord of the Dead. His death was avenged by his son Horus, who defeated Set and cast him out into the western desert. Now let's talk for a second, because this story of Osiris kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? It should. This story is similar to Cain and Abel, except Eve doesn't put him back together like magic. Like Abel, Osiris is the first living thing to die and was killed by his brother. So, there is a sermon soon on did Yah spirit... Oh, never mind. We won't talk about that. Hindu and Chinese god of the underworld, Yamayara... Yamayara, or Yama, is a Hindu and Buddhist deity of death, Dharma, and the south direction and the underworld belonging to an early statrum of Ravidic Hindu deities. In Sanskrit, his name can be interpreted to mean twin. Yama's family relations. Yama is the son of the sun god Vivasat or Vivasavishu in other versions, and his mother is Saranyu Sanyana or Conscience. He is the brother of Manu or Vivasavasta, and he also has a twin sister, Yami or Yamuna. Yama and Yami are, in some myths, the first humans and creator of the human race, both in the versions Yama is the first human to die, and so the first to pass into the next world. Yama is considered the father of Yudhishthira, one of the five Pandu princes. His wives are Himalal, Veya, and Susila. Yama is the Hindu god of death, king of ancestors, and final judgment on the uh, destination of souls. He is also as the restrainer, Petraya, or king of ghosts, Dharmaya, or king of justice, and he is considered the regent of the south quarter. Yama may also be referred to simply as death and Kakala or Martu due to his responsibility for good decision making based on records of a person's deed. The god is particularly associated with the rule of law. Yama is also present in Iranian mythology, traditional Chinese and Japanese mythology and elements of Buddhism. Yang Lu Wan or Yamla, Chinese word for Yama, is a deity in the Chinese religion and Taoism and the ruler of Dayu, the underworld. The name Yan Lu is a shortened Chinese translation of the Sanskrit term Yaramaya, <clears throat> which is what we just read. 
So, as you can see, this deity means twin as well, and is another reference to Cain and Abel regarding being the first human to die. And it's imperative that I ask you if you're beginning to see the connections as we continue to link each name to the same false god that every culture has. If you're missing the connections, I hope you go back and reread or re-listen to some of these sermons because there are so many parallels throughout these religions that it's just mind-blowing how we can still have hate and division and discord among each other based on, you know, cultural differences and beliefs when in fact we do believe the same thing. It's just the names have changed, but the deity remains the same. And that's important to understand because we are one. We are one creation. We are mankind. And God did not create us to keep dividing and killing and hating each other. So as a recap, Shell is the original term for Hades, meaning the place where souls go. There are no angels or fallen angels. Um, there is no man or false god that rules the underworld. Abba Yah rules everything, but there are angels, possibly, again, like I said, Azrael would make sense as to the one who was ordained to have his estate in the underworld. We have to put logic to this, brothers and sisters, for if there's a Greek god called Hades, the logical explanation is we put in information, we started worshiping a god that never existed, but was possibly the angel Azrael. Again, not to be confused with Azazel, who is currently bound because he fell. And you can read that again in Enoch. But the overall gist of it is, regardless of who's ordained to do what, the Lord God Almighty rules everything, heaven and hell. They are conquered in the end, meaning no more death. And that is what Revelation 20, 13 means, that there will be no more death. Whenever Hades and hell gives up their souls that are there right now, the souls of the wicked, the souls that are not righteous, when those are finally given up at the second resurrection, and God does away with Hades and hell, because that is what Revelation tells us too. Hades and hell has its part in the lake of fire. Why do you think that is? This is a reciprocal. There is no longer a need whenever final judgment occurs for a reciprocal for souls. And we're going to look at that here in just a second because Revelation 2014 says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. Let us look at what the word for death again means in the Greek. The outline of usage for death, the death of the body, the separation where natural or violence of the soul and the body 
which the life on earth has ended with the impede idea of misery in hell, which is again wrong. Um, the actual definition is Thanos and is used as a noun just to mean death. In one of our prior sermons, which I'm trying to wrap up real quick because I know I was winded this morning, we did talk about Thanos. If you are an Avenger fan, which my daughters and I love Marvel, love Marvel, and Thanos was the villain. Yes, Thanos is a Greek name. And yes, Thanos means death. But do you understand how Thanos is now immortalized by Marvel supervillain? This happens all the time. When we turn away from God's word, we put people and words and contexts into immortalization. And yes, even the act of death is worshipped and turned into a false god, into a false idol. What Revelation 2014 is telling us that the second death is when hell and death, physical and spiritual death, is finally destroyed because nobody dies again after judgment. And everyone will gain immortality as we were to have from the beginning those who are found righteous and judged accordingly. The rest of the souls like Genghis Khan and Hitler and Joseph Stalin and child molesters, it'll be as if they never existed. The Lord God is not going to torture their souls for eternity. You know why? Because heaven and hell get destroyed and get turned into the, are not heaven, but hell gets turned into the lake of fire and heaven comes down to earth. So there's no need for reciprocals anymore. And that's what Revelation 2014 is stating as well. That that reciprocal known as Hades or Shale is also going to be annihilated. Does that mean that the angels ruling that underworld and doing the work of God will be annihilated? Why? Why would, why would they get destroyed for doing their job? Because Abiyah is love. I doubt that the angels who are doing their ordained duties and are not a fallen angel who left their estate gets thrown into the lake of fire. So these are concepts that we've been taught wrong. Satan, again, should be Matsuma. He is our adversary. Why would God ordain an angel to cause adversity in our tribulations and our trials and then punish him by sending him into the lake of fire? Common sense, brothers and sisters, especially when we read the word of God, we have to know the definitions for punishment of those who do their duty does not make sense to me. And everything and everyone has a purpose. And I pray that the Lord God is working on you and that you find your purpose in life. Now for further reading, again, all links are available on the Lion's Tears Ministry 
And I just want to thank everybody once again who has been listening and watching these videos. As always, it's never goodbye, but I'll see you later.